Hello, and welcome to Let's Solve Nothing. I'm Maureen O'Connell. I'm Joanne McNally, apparently. (laughs) This is the podcast where we take a topic and we try to solve it. Spoiler alert, we never do. We probably make it worse. What are we not solving today, Joanne? Today, Maureen, we're going to delve into women's fascination with true crime and basically getting a thrill out of watching our peers get murdered. Why? Why? I like the way we, we haven't said we're going to solve true crime because that would be that would be a pretty big thing to try uh, to say that we're going to do. The amount of studies that have been done as to why women love true crime because it's about a genre where it's 80% that females consume it. Yeah. A lot of it is, is being made of the fact we use it as a form of self-defense as though we're picking up hints and tips on how not to get murdered. Like you would, you know, watching Nigella using her microwave mm-hmm. on how to make soup. Like we're using it that way. What do you make of that? I don't know. Like I, I have read that. I don't know if it's true. I mean, I, I don't watch it for kind of, um, you know, ninja moves on how to kick a lad off me if he attacks me from behind. I just find it, it makes me feel safe. If I really think about it... I mean, it's a dark thing to admit that you find it entertaining. I don't want to say Mm. that, but I think it it feeds another part of me in that it makes me feel safe. Firstly, it's always narrated stunningly well with someone who has a gorgeous voice that's quite meditative. So that's why I fall asleep listening to murder documentaries. Yeah, we, we need to address this because both you and I have the headphones in every night and we fall asleep to true crime. Yeah, well, I didn't put the headphones in, so my ex was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I don't want to listen. I don't want to fall asleep to a woman getting hammered to death in her apartment alone, screaming. And I'm like, oh, it's so relaxing night. But like some people with waves. Psh, yeah. Splashy, splashy. You were there going, and as she walked down the road, she was grabbed from behind and stabbed viciously 17 times. And John's yeah. like, that's me off now. Yeah. So relaxed. <laughs> Counting and the ex in the bed going, what's wrong with you? Counting the stabbing. Counting the stabs <laughs> instead of sheep. Disgusting behaviour. But there's definitely something off, as in what you were saying there earlier about it being such a female female phenomenon that I was Mm. looking at, Amazon brought out these stats that they were saying 70% of their true crime books are reviewed by women, which is obviously a huge indication. And then the the equivalent of that is 83% of a certain book is reviewed by a man. Can you guess what the book is? Meow, meow. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go with war. Yes, is it? Yeah, you little genius. Yes, knew it. I always forget. I always forget that you're smart. It's a terrible thing. Always forget (laughs) it. (laughs) So there are very delineated. There are lines about what we want to consume. I really only got into true crime when podcasts came around. Now the recent true crime boom. It's been pointed that it happened in. 2012 because that's when social media allowed voices all around the world to be heard about like remember what happened in India the gang rapes and everything and that really kicked it off everyone had an opinion on it Mm. and then of course Sarah Koenig came out with Serial in 2014 yeah and it changed the game before that you know like true crime channels 
Yes. Where they'd have all those. I'd never watched those movies. I was never interested. It was podcasts that changed everything. Mm. So you're a highbrow true crime consumer. So there's true crime as now. So true crime used to be the thing that like very kind of... um, you know those kind of weird recluse type women who just eat tuna with their bare hands the kind of sado women that you that idea that you have of these women and they just kind of their arse is like engrooved in the couch in the it 80s was. that was who they thought that that's who their market was and they got it completely wrong no they didn't they didn't they were totally right at the time because that was the kind of woman who loved a bit of true crime like the internet sleuths so, but now it's become mainstream so there's lowbrow true crime which is that kind of stuff and that's the stuff that I like ingesting which is you know the kind of very badly edited put together uh, like Dateline Dateline I would think is lowbrow crime right okay. and, then there's, and then there's the highbrow crime which is the Sarah Koenig with the kind of uh, gorgeous plummy what's that weird voice where it's like <laughs> do you know that voice <laughs> And they kind of don't really. They say not the vocal it's, fry. It's like it's they, not the vocal fry, but it's just, something along sort of uh, Catherine Hepburn, yeah. Mid Atlantic, posh American accent. Yes, and you're like very educated. Hundred percent. You're like this woman potentially has a double family name. You're like she sounds smart. Yeah, there's there's that. Yeah. And it was it was the case because for me, it was definitely the gateway drug listening to serial. My mm. mate Dara Burke, we talk about true crime all the time, and she was like, "Have you listened to any podcasts?" I was like, what's a, what's a, what's a podcast? <laughs> like, I didn't have a clue. Not a notion. And then she was like, you have to listen to this. And she had to show me on my phone where the podcast app was, everything like and that. This, yeah, look, yeah, at, yeah. look at you now, the biggest podcast in the world. We're just after Joe Rogan, I heard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be like selling our back catalogue to Spotify for like 10 billion pounds. Once you say it, it's true. What it's would you true? Don't don't look at the facts. Don't look at the facts. Don't look at the figures. Everything's fine. But it it was the case of Adnan Saeed, who was convicted of murdering his ex girlfriend Heyman Lee mm-hmm. in Maryland in 1999. Can you remember listening to Serial for the first time? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It was addictive. It was like a, a total page turner. Apparently, it's still one of the most downloaded podcasts ever, aside from us and Joe. The, apparently so. But that are we going to throw the my favorite murder women in there? Oh yeah, of course. So, the, so the, the interesting that you talk about podcasts because the thing with um, true crime is it's so female, it's so female targeted because we love it so much, right? And there are uh, like a billion true crime podcasts. So I was looking at them, and there's like um, my favorite murder, West Cork, Hollywood crime, over my dead body, crime junkie, case file, uh, true crime. Then but what happens is, and this is where I'm like, is this a problem? Where they kind of belittle the topic and they they bring wine into the equation. <laughs> because obviously, <laughs> piss heads like us, <laughs> basic bitches <laughs> like us. So, do you know what I mean? You know, and you're like listening to, you're drinking your Pinot, listening to someone getting murdered. So they have all these um, drunk women solving crime, which I was actually on, by the way. So feel free to. Oh, yeah. So did I'm you not- solve a crime? Oh, we got drunk. I can't remember if I solved a crime. I so mean, you, you, but you actually fulfilled one part of the brief. Yes. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Feel free. I'm so to, proud of you. Feel free to download. And then there's wine and crime, crime and white wine, white wine, true crime. <laughs> Mur- uh, what is it? Murder and Marti- murder and martinis. And I was like, is that is that okay? Like, if you were murdered, Marin, 
Would you yeah. want your murder being discussed by giggling pissed women on a podcast? And I was like, what? What if you applied that to other things? So I wrote some other podcast names and I was like, would this be okay? Gin and genocide. <laughs> <laughs> Grape and rape. Grape and rape. Merlot and murder. Juice, juice and domestic abuse. You would not. You wouldn't get away with it. So then I was like, fuck. Should, should is, it, is, it, is it problematic bringing white wine into the situation? I mean, look, you, you know I'd bring white wine. I'd be going into the grave slogan from a bottle of Pinot. But I'm like, is that the problem with true crime? <laughs> like do you know the way you become so you're so desensitized to it that you're flicking around and it is someone's death it's someone's very violent aggressive death and you're literally flicking between that and EastEnders you're I, I don't know I'm still stuck on um, gin and genocide gin like that. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking though it's like the reason maybe that women are so it's like a, it's like Operation Transformation for really dark women it's like a really gruesome before and after do you ever feel guilty? Sometimes I feel really, really, really guilty going, this is my entertainment. I'm listening to someone getting horrifically murdered. Yeah. And it's for my entertainment. You mentioned Case File there, one of the greatest podcasts of all time, mm. because the narrator, who is simply called the narrator, yeah. he does he does his Australian accent and it's just really flat. Well, I think it's his own. And he talks. <laughs> okay, I don't think he's, don't think he's doing he's not, an Australian accent. He's, he's actually from County Louth. <laughs> And they did the Elaine O'Hara murder. Mm, loved it was, that one. It was excellent. It was three episodes. It was really in-depth. And I was sitting there kind of going, oh God, I could have passed her family on the street mm. in in super value. I, I could know someone who's related to this case and it made me feel a bit guilty about it. Did it make me stop? Absolutely not. Yeah. I, it to, I listened to it all in one day. I didn't feel that now, to be honest. I didn't feel guilty, no. I wouldn't feel guilty. In fact, I find it... I, I thought that episode of Case File was absolutely excellent. Mm. Um, it went into more detail than any other report I had yeah. seen about Elaine O'Hara. Uh, guilty, no, I didn't feel. But I know that you... Didn't you say something similar about my favourite murder when you went to see them live? Myself and my mate Dara, again, my true crime buddy, uh, we went to see it last year in the... Board gosh, energy theatre. And walking in there, it was just thousands of women queuing up at a bar, trying to get as drunk as they possibly could before yeah. they went into an auditorium to go insane. Now, this podcast is hosted by Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. It is a huge monolith of a podcast and it is so entertaining because they're like, this is a comedy podcast, lads. Do you know, mm. you can obviously tell they get so many complaints about you shouldn't be treating this this way because they mention it's like, lads, this is a comedy podcast. Yeah. Calm down. This is the way we do it. We deal with traumatic things by trying to laugh at them. Yeah. And they also do this thing at their live shows where they're kind of going, there's a man here. Why is there? What? They're so surprised every single time. And when it's a fella that goes, no, 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 I brought my I brought my partner. I'm, I'm the one who like you. They're like, oh, my God, what's going on there? Because... It's just women who, they don't even have to work for it anymore. You know, in Ireland and the UK, we're quite proud. You're a comedian, you have to get on stage. Mm. We're quite proud that we have to make you work for it. You know, yeah. you've got to impress to get that clap. Yeah. With them, they came out, they started talking about pockets in their dresses and the whole place was going mad. What is this They pocket? could have sat there. What is this pockets thing? I don't give a shit if my dress has pockets. What's it's like? because you don't wear dresses. Yeah, fair. 
You wear pants all the time when you normally have pockets. But like, why are women so surprised? Why are women getting such a thrill out of having a pocket? Because now we're going on to something completely and utterly different. But there's all all this stuff about the fashion industry and the fact that we pockets weren't put into women's clothes so that they would have to buy handbags. And it's just another way to get <gasps> stuff. No, so it's like a mental manipulation. Not yeah, putting pockets you don't, in. You don't put pockets in women's clothes. In certain pairs of jeans, you'd only have back pockets, not front pockets. Because you have to then carry a handbag and it's a way to make you buy more things. Now, that is a type of gaslighting, Mern, if you wanted to write that down. Are you sure it's gaslighting? I used to call my ex-boyfriend's ass his pocket. His ass was his pocket? What his was bum. he hiding up his ass? Exactly, we'd go in and we'd, and we'd look. There's, there's, an asa- there's a... I'd be like, what's in the pocket? <laughs> You're making me sound as though he's just had dinner and he's got a big beard. I'm a bit worried about... A up his Anyway, I'm always talking about my ex-boyfriend's ass. It's disgusting. Let's move on. Last year, this is where it comes into the fact that this is such a female-driven genre. Mm. So Crime Monthly is a brand new magazine. It was launched last March by the group behind Grazia and Heat because their marketing team found that true crime is very much a female-driven interest. So the front of the magazine looks like Heat magazine. So you know where you'd be seeing things like Maura Higgins on her tanning routine. It would be something like Scissor Sisters Murders and how they get their eyebrows. Yeah. So is that it would grab the eye and women would be like, I'll get that. Yeah. It's callous, but it's also genius. It's absolutely genius. and it, Isn't it? Yeah. Sex sells, blood sells. You know that uh, mantra with news shows, if it bleeds, it leads. Yes. People have, all, it, it people have always had this kind of fascination with the macabre, that word I can't pronounce. Have you heard macabre? Have you heard about the Red Barn murders? Tell me about the Red Barn murders. So I just thought this was an interesting indication, uh, an interesting example of how we've always been obsessed with death because death is ultimately that thing that we're all going to get involved in eventually. Mm-hmm. But it, you, it's not, you can't, re, there's no way of really experiencing it until you do it. And also, so we're kind of fascinated by watching other people do it or it happening to other people. Also, we've always been kind of drawn to the gruesome. Like people used to like queue up to watch people get beheaded in town squares. Yeah. Do you know what? You're dead right. When do you, you know what I mean? Things like that. It was get your ticket and go and see someone be murdered or burned yeah. at the stake. Yeah, burning people at the stake. I had a touch of it one time. I remember one time I was uh, studying, was trying not to study for my master's and I ended up going down this absolute hole and uh, ended up at, like kind of half watching an, uh, an ISIS beheading because it's, you're kind of fascinated. You kind of want to see it, but you don't want to see it. So oh, I think... Jesus. I don't think we're as attracted to the gruesome as we used to be. I think we're more sensitive to it now. Anyway, Red Barn Murders, right? This is an example of how we used to be. We we were always loving a bit of murderabilia. Yeah. Which is when people want uh, like something physical from a a murder so they can show it off in their sitting room. Uh, I mean... Uh, it's uh, that I do find well although no it's kind of like history I guess they want to be they want to be closer to a notorious person or kind of because it is a a type of fame like Ted Bundy is was famous they've reframed the conversation with Ted Bundy because it's 
There's one thing that we've noticed and there has been a change is that it's always focused on the killer and it's never about the victims. Never. When it comes to the sort of true crime that we're thinking about now. Yeah. It's always, he did this, this person is famous for what they did and it's like, well, he murdered all of these people with Ted Bundy when that movie came out with Zac Efron and Lily Collins. Was it last year? And the music was like, it was like Calvin Harris and Ibiza for the trailer. And it's all about how good looking he is and the car he was driving. And everyone's like, hold on, lads. Why are we glamorizing what's going on here? And I think that we can see it also in, in Ireland. There was an issue when there was a family annihilation. This was Clodagh Hall and her three sons who was murdered by her husband. And in the papers the next day, it was all, he was such a lovely man. What drove him to this? Mm. And her family were coming out going, why are there articles about him being a great guy? He's after murdering. So why aren't we focusing on the fact that Cloda and our three lovely boys are dead? Yeah, fair point. You know, it, it was really, really weird and upsetting and awful. But I think the fascination there is people are always, ultimately everything that we do and think and say, it always comes back to ourselves. Right. So it's like we're kind of looking for signs of how does a normal what we would consider normal, what appears on the outside as relatively normal, have that darkness in them? Do I have that darkness in me? Ultimately, it's like, could I be murdered or could I murder? Like, I'll come back to the Red Bar murders in a minute. But you remember your man, Chris Watts, basically all these murderers get Netflix specials. So my Chris Watts now, let's remind everyone of this. Um, I'm gonna murder someone and get a Netflix special. Marin. <laughs> I'd have a fucking, I'd have a block, I'd have a whole series if I murdered someone. Is this what you need to do to build up your Netflix? But nothing else is gonna. The comedy isn't gonna work. The jokes the aren't being working. Joanne McNally isn't gonna work. It's jokes. if I murder someone. If I need, to, I need to have a psychotic break. Basically, you need to have a hook as well, maybe like a physical hook or just like a. I, co- I, you might have to have a physical hook. As a, yeah, that could be the hook. Like you need a USP. Yeah, also like the, we know with the Scissor Sisters, their hook was the eyebrows. This is the other thing. The problem with, the, they give murderers cool nicknames. Yes. We give them these deadly names. The Zodiac Killer, the Ripper, the Scissor Sisters. Like that sounds like a deadly, that's not a band. Yeah. That is a band. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? sex move. The bloody Bee Gees. They all get these cool names and also the obsession with serial killers is if you think about it we kind we, we kind of find it impressive because it's very hard to get away with murder as we yeah. and I know because firstly you just know, just arrest the husband why do we even wait anymore just fucking arrest the husband and then we work back from there put him in prison and he has to prove he's innocent because it's every fucking time anyway Chris Watts right but, but hold on before Chris Watts as you say just arrest the husband and people might be like oh you know you can't assume that six women are killed every hour by men around the world most by men in their own family or their partners mm. like the evidence bears it out it, but if I was going to get murdered I'd, I'd prefer to get murdered in my own house I don't want to leave like do you know what I mean I don't get, I'd prefer to get murdered in indoors or in things that I recognise and know well, do you know what? You've got, you've got a chance of that because 56% of Irish women who have been murdered um, by a partner have been killed in their own house. Perfect. So, Great. There you go. You just, need the, you just need the partner. You don't have to put a bra on. You can just relax, get murdered in your own home. Would your Netflix special be okay if you were the one who got murdered? <laughs> no, because no one cares about the people who get murdered. They only care about the cool person, the cool nickname person or the person who did it. Your man, Chris Watts. So the reason 
his wife even got a look in was because she was mad for filming herself. Like, so she had all this footage of herself. Uh, she was mad for Facebook and all that stuff. But Chris Watts, firstly, so apparently Chris Watts gets like 30 phone calls a day from women who like are obsessed with him. If a, mur- if a, if a murderer is attractive, women... There's, certain, there's a certain type of woman who'll be attracted to him because they just see it as power. It's like their brain takes out the part that they're fucking evil and they just yeah. see them as like a powerful man or they see them as accused in the wrong or whatever it is. But this fascination with Chris Watts was huge. Women writing him letters. Um, it was the same with Ted Bundy. There's like some primal thing that women are attracted to in these men. There's a fascination with them because they are famous. They're infamous. But these women have access to these famous men. They can't just they can't just write a letter to George Clooney. George Clooney's not going to write back. But this Chris Watts is going to write back because he's nothing else to fucking do. Is there something in the psychology of thinking I can change him? He wouldn't have murdered me. Potential, of course, always. Oh, hundred percent have murdered me. So yeah. Chris Watts, there's so many podcasts about what Chris Watts did, but of course there is also the Netflix special. Which is brilliant. So he was married to Shannon. Mm. Shannon. Shannon. Shannon, I think. Yeah. Shannon. And um, they were married for years. They were together. We all know about her background now. As you said, she really did like to film herself. Everything went up on Facebook. They had two children and she was pregnant. Mm. Chris Watts goes off and he starts getting in shape. He starts working out what's going on there. And next thing, he's got a girlfriend and he murders his wife, his two children and his and the unborn child. Yeah. And dumps them in this tankard. Yeah. And in this day and age, and because they filmed everything, they've got body cam footage of mm. him. Like, I don't know where she is. I don't know where she is. And there's this interesting bit in the Netflix. Where, this isn't a spoiler. You know that he's murdered his whole family. Yeah. But his neighbour says to the guard... He's acting weirdly. He never talks like that. Yeah. He's being really fidgety. He is never, ever like that. And he's like, well, you know, his wife has gone missing. He goes, no, there's something, there's mm. something wrong here. And I was like, that is so telling of what it was. So this guy, he wanted, instead of getting a divorce, he just murdered his whole family because he wanted to start anew. What? I, I've long this this has long puzzled me as as much as anyone else. I don't know why. Me, it's like they're allergic to the paperwork of divorce, and they just think burying her in the garden is less life admin. Is that it? I mean, admin is really annoying. It's really you annoying. You ever tried to do your taxes? I'm so st- I'm still doing them, and they were due a month ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> So if anyone's ripe for murdering someone today, oh, it's God. Joanne. Stay away. Thank God for lockdown. She can't be doing a bit of... Oh, I'm going to check in on your mom later on. Just to make sure she's all right. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with my mother. Every morning I'm worried that she's dead. So I listen to her and see if I can hear her breathing through the door. Through she's, the door? You wouldn't just she, walk in and say, hi, mom. She's my next to kin. No, I don't want her downstairs. She's my next to kin. So if she goes, I'm going to have to get a new next to kin, which is a whole other ordeal. You'll be... I'll put you down. We're Move in with you and he, Phil. That will we would love it. Would you, you know love what? that now? I would I would just adore it. So Chris Watts the Chris, did all of this. The Chris Watts fascination and this is what blew my mind about that whole thing, because as we know, once you mar- once you get married, I know this is very cynical, but you are running you are running the uh, gauntlet of getting murdered. Things me and you have learnt about get murders and getting murdered. Signs to look out for. This is what we've learned from True Oh Fun. Yeah. Yeah. If your partner takes out a Life insurance Life. policy. Bing, 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 bing. You're dead. 
It's a matter of time. What I think is that why don't they text you? I think you should get a notification to your phone and be like, here, listen, your partner, like, this is the life insurance company. You're you're now worth more dead than alive. Just so you know. Like, how do these women not know that they have massive, like, these lads who are probably making about a tenner a year take a million dollar life insurance policies on their missus, like, a week before and then have the audacity to try and claim it as she's still going into the ground. This is what I find so weird about you're, you've hit the nail on the head how can they do this without having to inform or get a signature yeah. in person of the person who's getting the life insurance policy taken out on them like surely something should be done yeah. about that I'm, now of course we're looking at American cases because it always seems to be life insurance in America mm. but here I'm not too sure what the legislation is or if you're able to actually do that because I know that when it comes to me I have no interest in doing any of my own life admin yeah. so I just get the housemate to do it all. So I think the life insurance thing is absolutely bonkers. But we're not just here to say that it's only men who murder women and their partners. We know that women do it as well. We've got cases here. Catherine Nevin, the Black Widow. We've got Sharon Collins, Lying Eyes, who was convicted of conspiracy to murder her partner and his sons. But I think the fact that we can name the female Irish killers... <laughs> <laughs> in the space of 30 seconds shows that it is mostly men men love a good murder come on now let's be fair here oh, let's, there's no I'm, gender balance in murder overwhelmingly there is absolutely not it's men who are murdering their partners and not the other way around but oh, there so- is as, Go on. as we sit here and kind of give out about I think the jinx is probably the greatest true crime documentary there has ever been if you haven't watched the jinx Please do. There's also the staircase. So this is all partners killing. These are all men killing their partners. Mm. But Joanne McNally Mm. is a fan of of a murderer. (gasps) Who? Who killed her partner. (gasps) Oh, my God. My feminist icon, Betty Roderick. (laughs) Now, look, I'm fully aware of how fucked up this is, okay? And I, but I don't think I'm alone in this because I did, I was obviously took to the gram about my obsession with Betty Broderick yeah. and, and loads of women got into it. It kind of, it hit a nerve with me because <laughs> firstly, can I say one of the, that Dirty John series is fantastic. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Mm. No, you're not a fan? I, uh, I didn't enjoy it. The podcast is all right. I just thought it was too sensationalized. I do love Amanda Peet. Amanda Peet plays Betty Broderick oh my god she I have never seen a woman play crazy as well as she played it she is underrated to the nth degree it really annoys me I have loved Amanda Peet in since Jack and Jill days she is so good and she was amazing in this so what did Betty Broderick your feminist icon do Joanne but she did murder people her husband gaslit the fuck out of her which you know he really really did and I guess as a as a woman who's um also you know been in those situations where you're convinced there's something going on and then your boyfriend's telling you there isn't and then of course it turns out that there is. Yeah, and he was, this is all tied up in their financial arrangements and he was a wealthy solicitor and she had nothing because she was a housewife in the yeah. 80s who was raising the children and at home yeah. and um, he was he was taking her for a fool with all the money and not giving her what she felt that she deserved so much so that legislation ended up being changed in California after this but the legislation ended up hurting women even more because like he was able to go to court to take stuff off her without her even being there yeah it was awful again an awful lot of women like me don't like the admin 
down I don't, I don't like if I was married to someone and they decide I'd be like yeah I'll sign that I wouldn't have a clue mm. so Betty anyway went off murdered well, he, her ex murdered your man on your one murdered his ex and then you he hired a, you, I mean if you haven't seen it go and see it it's fantastic Tally anyway she murdered him but I was like so basically this is terrible but like when a woman gets murdered obviously the man I'm like what a monster um, execute him when a man gets murdered by a woman I'm like what the fuck did he do <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? Which is awful. When I listen, when I listen to true crime and it's about a woman, I do the exact same thing. I'm like, hold on now, let the let the other let the foot drop. What's, what's <laughs> yeah. going on here? Let's get the whole story you know, here now. He must have been arsenic. Did he start going to the gym loads? What was he up to? What was he going on? Was he siphoning off money? This what is was the, going on here. Turning this, the children against her. This is the other thing. Okay, other things me and you me and you have learned from our true crime obsession. Signs yeah. you're about to get murdered. Your husband's going to the gym. Your husband's tanning. Your husband's getting hair plugs. Mm-hmm. Your husband sexually rejects you. There's a murderer coming. It's coming for you. The, the husband gets a, a new car. Oh, That's yeah. One thing. When he gets rid of the family car and gets himself a nice little sporty car... That's a sign. Yeah. So life insurance policy and your husband getting fit. Yeah, hundred percent. It's an issue. If he's not trying to, and if he's not trying to get you fit. Well, like, hold on. There was another true crime documentary I watched again the other night while I drifted off into my slumber. Mm. I can't remember your man's name, but he was a really well sought after doctor and again like that he'd loads of kids with his wife and like that suddenly he starts tanning he's going to the gym he's doing all these improvements like his wife's trying to talk to him and he just drops down and starts doing um, push ups and all this shit she's like what's going on and he's like well look I'm improving myself why don't you improve yourself convince her to have a facelift no and then because he's a doctor, the sur- he asks the surgeon for all this really heavy medication, which the surgeon in court said, I never would have given him, only he was a doctor as well. And I, I, I trusted that he would administer them uh, pr- like responsibly. And drugged her, threw her in the bath, drowned her. What? And, was able- and got away with it. Now, he didn't. Eventually, he didn't. But he got away with it. Um, it was an awful story. It's called something like um, living with a babysitter because then the, he, your woman's... Dead. He was he was able to pass it off as just an accident in the bath. His kids were really suspicious because a couple of days before it happened, the wife actually said to one of her daughters, "If I die, make sure it wasn't your father." Now imagine being in a marriage and having to say that to one of your kids. Oh my god! Okay, this is so weird because it brings up Nicole Brown Simps- Simpson, mm. who she had a safe deposit box where she put pictures of herself after OJ had beaten the crap out of her. So she Mm. was all bruised and everything. So she'd put them in a box to kind of, it felt like, indicate if something happens to me, it's him. But they said he wasn't in love with me. He was obsessed with me. It's something that she had written before she got murdered. And we can also talk about... I'd say my ex has one of those boxes, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) If anything, if anything happens to me, please make sure it wasn't you, Amakna. I'd say there's a box somewhere. <laughs> Is it just pictures of you outside of, outside his house? You've got a too okay. funny. Okay, it's Joanne McNally again. You're building up the case for the Netflix special. The Netflix special. There's so many, so many layers. Now, did you listen to the teacher's pet? Loved it. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Again. So what you go on? 
But what you mentioned there about, you know, him getting away with it for so long is the exact same as the teacher's pet because it's taken, like this all happened decades ago and it's taken a podcast to reopen this case because her husband... So if you haven't listened to it, I would say listen to it. I absolutely adore this. Um, her husband was beyond reproach. He was a teacher in a, in a fancy school. He was a rugby league player that was very well known. And he just said that his wife, oh, she just upped and, upped and left. Yeah. And everyone believed him, including her family. Her brother was a guard and he was like, I wonder where Janet is, Jeanette has gone. And they never looked into it until years and years later. And they uncovered all of this sort of sexual abuse going on in his school. As soon as the wife goes, he moves one of his students into the house. Same. Like, that's what, yeah. That's the same as um, that other guy I was told. Oh yeah, the doctor guy. Same thing. Moved this young one into the gaff. But it just makes you realise that for years there was a situation where a man would say something and people would accept it as fact. 100%. Sure, that's, yeah. what, that's what gaslighting, well, it is in the sense that it used to be what men did to get their wives institutionalised in a mental asylum. Yeah. So they would convince them that they were insane and then get them locked up because, because again, they couldn't just walk away for whatever reason. They wanted their, like, it, it was, you know, the vin- the vintage equivalent, straitjacket murder, whatever. But that uh, teacher's pet thing, did you listen to the, her mother was saying the last phone call that she had with, what was your man's name, the, the, the teacher? Uh, so the teacher's pet, I think I called her Janet a minute ago. It's Lynette Dawson and mm. um, her husband is called Chris Dawson. Chris. So yeah. Lynette rings her mum or her mum rings Lynette or whatever. Now he was riding his, he was riding his mistress in the house while his wife was still living there. But uh, Would you call her his mistress or would you call it statutory rape because she was a goddamn child? So she started as a babysitter. Yeah, as they all he do. He brought her into the house as a babysitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Standard. But anyway, she, Lynette rang her mum and she was like Chris has made me a lovely drink and it was oh, like yeah. she was like slurring her like he had so clearly drugged her like oh my god and the mother's like okay you don't sound very well and then she was like bye and that was the last and time bye. I ever bye and Chris that's has made me a, a lovely, lovely drink. drink all of these things happen and just for this is just some some Irish figures Mm-hmm. So this was a women's aid study um, so, uh, into kind of femicides since records began in 1996. 87% of women are more likely to be killed by a man who is known to them. Nine out of 10 of those cases involve women being killed mm. by partner, ex-partner, someone that was kind of sexually in their lives. And again, as I mentioned a while ago, it's 56% that are killed by a former partner. Like, that's huge. Huge. I don't think anyone goes into a relationship going, could this person kill me? Yeah, but I mean, of course they don't. But like, there's also women in relationships with men that they're just too shitting it to leave. Because men, because they, it's like that OJ thing. He thought he owned Nicole. He was like, you are my property. I own yeah. you. He had a new girlfriend. But the fact that she was riding someone else, he was like, I'm not having it. Yeah, and his new girlfriend, Paula, wasn't it? She was beautiful, lovely thing, and she stuck by him. It's just like, what the hell? What the hell is going on? So do you think that we 
love true crime as a way to subconsciously come up with our own sort of anti-murder handbook that lets us recognise the signs that will lead us to possibly being murdered? Does it promote sort of a sense of justice that the bad guy is always going to get his comeuppance? Or is it, as I think, that we just have... It's just fascinating and it feels something dark in our souls. I think true crime is basically like sport for lazy women, like you and me, Maren. There's different teams, different players, matches, people win, people like, oh, I think it's sport and it's trendy. It's like, I'd ra- it's like some women watch Bake Off. I watch, mur- I watch murders. And what do you mean by, okay, I like the sporting analogy. Mm. So we've got teams so we can start on one side. The league table can go up and down. You can have favorite murders and it goes all over the place. Like, for example, that woman standing by OJ. That is a kind of a commitment to like a, a, a losing team. Now, he didn't lose in the end, but do you know what I mean? I don't know what a shit team is like. Uh, uh, Millwall. Like, Millwall. Um, so it's like that. It's like that, that, that blind commitment to a team that's clearly losing or shit or, or violent or whatever it is. And you're just blindly committed to them. That's the kind of family of the person who's murdered. Mm. And yeah, it's like a sport. We get involved. We choose a team. We're like incur- like we're delighted with the results. We're waiting to hear the results at the end. Sport. Sporty sports. Like rollerblading. Have we solved our fascination with true crime? I think, have we? I think so. Also, I think we have. I would like to um, just, uh, I do want to talk quickly about the Red Barn murders. Just to show how we were always obsessed with murder. So uh, it doesn't really matter who was killed or who killed. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, the point of it is that the whole village was absolutely obsessed with this. It happened in the 19th century. And when your mom was hung, the hangman took his socks and knickers and... they went, he, he murdered a woman in a barn. People were going in, ripping off bits of the barn to take away because they all just wanted a piece of this murder. They wanted to be close to this murder and like hang it on their wall along with their graduation photos. And then when the guy was hung, quartered and dissected, someone took his skin and made a book out of him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was the skin and about the murder? It wasn't yeah. just like covering Jane Eyre or anything, was it? No, no, no. The, the book was about the trial. So it was about the And then apparently it, the book, the skin started growing hair. So there you go. Oh my God, that is so gross. Yeah. That is so gross. It's like people who collect religious relics. Like we've all touched a piece of Jesus at this stage, haven't we? We've all touched that. This is a bit well, of a piece of the cross. Well, hold on. Have there we not go. been eating Jesus all our lives? <laughs> like... Or do you not believe in... Is this the point in our relationship where, I believe, where you admit you don't believe in consubstantiation? Transubstantiation? I am very transpositive. I will not have it said I'm not. <laughs> um, have we solved it? Have we solved our obsession? I think we actually have. I think we actually did something today. Mm. I think there's something deep in our soul and it's all fascinating. Yeah. And please mind yourselves. And now it's time for something completely different. Joanne McNally, can you give me your beautiful news cruise jingle? I love the way you're setting up the news cruise like it's something completely different when it's basically (laughs) the exact same shit we've been doing before. (laughs) Good girl. Just us talking. Um, Okay, what do you got for the news cruise? So my favourite news story this week uh, is Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina exploded. (laughs) 
in now, a, li- in a living. I know a lot has gone on this week with coronavirus, mm. with the inauguration of President Biden, whatever, with um, uh, Google suing Australia. But I thought that that would have been a lead on a news program. Her vagina exploding. Her that's, va- that's pretty big news. Yeah, flames the whole shebang. So basically, you know that candle that she's flogging that smells like her vagina? Yes. That a woman won a, a woman won one of them at a raffle <laughs> raffle prizes we should I mean, do a whole thing on raffle prizes that's a great raffle like that is a fantastic ra- that is a raffle i would enter like and i'm that's not a couple a raffle of hundred person. quid that's a couple of hundred quid 75 dollars Oh, I apologise. Thought it was more. No. Do you know, and this is something I had to realise, I had to make peace with this week. So my mother got me a Jo Malone candle for Christmas, which I was banging on about. My mother, right? So it's a triple wick Jo Malone. It's the Rolex of candles, okay? And I was lighting it in the... And I always make her close the doors so we can get all the aroma. And I was lighting it away and I was like, God, yeah, we were talking about it. And I said, they're expensive. She said, they are. Now, I estimated a Jo Malone candle to cost 80, right? And I said, how much was it? She said, 150. I've never blown anything out faster. (laughs) I was like, save it, save it. So now I'm just going to light it for like special occasions or maybe light one wick. No, no. See, this is it. You can't light one wick wick of a Joe Malone. Now you know that all those people that you see the Joe Malone candles in their house, the influencers and all that kind of stuff, they're not lighting the Joe Malone candle. They have the Joe Malone candle. They light it for 20 minutes so as that it looks like it's been used and then it's just there. That's it. They're not rebuying them all the time. Posh people are. They can Mm. afford Joe Malone candles. Everyone else who has a Joe Malone candle has lit it once Mm. and they might light it for five minutes every six months to be like, yeah, I use it or oh this is my new Joe Malone candle or they're putting it in the wash they're taking the sticker off and lashing it on an Aldi candle because I'm telling you they look the exact same I am such a fool here I am lighting my Joe Malone with candle no privately privately in the privacy of my own home I didn't even have the decency to put it on the gram I'm absolutely mortified what I'm going to do is I'm going to light it and just take a photo with it so everyone thinks I'm loaded and then go back to my original plan which was a nice airwick. That's where my career is at the moment. Jo Malone has to be lit in emergencies and I'm mostly reliant on a nicely scented plug-in airwick. You know now that Jo Malone doesn't own the old Jo Malone anymore and she did a collaboration with Zara at Christmas where the candles were like a tenor. That's really upsetting. <laughs> I'm such a fool. Anyway, let's go back to Gwyneth's exploding vagina. Gwyneth's vag blew up in Kent. So this this woman won the candle at a a raffle and then she took it home and her... (laughs) (laughs) It's just that it exploded in Kent. I know. And all I associate with Kent at the moment is Brexit lorry drivers piled up at the side of the road and then all of a sudden for a bit of entertainment Gwyneth's vagina explodes so the lads have something to talk about as they're waiting to cross the channel. Was it Defo <laughs> Kent? It was some, somewhere really normal like that. I just love the idea of this, what Gwyneth just th- thinks is a very glamorous affair and it just blew up mm. in it. And in a sitting room, I'd imagine surrounded by like a lot of, you know, Ikea furniture or whatever it is, you know, a brown leather couch. That's where I'm seeing her. A, a, a sitting room where Gwyneth never, never envisioned her vagina to end up. Damn near burned her house down. A 50 centimetre flame leapt from the candle and out of the glass jar. 
the literal bomb pussy victim told the son the candle exploded <laughs> and emitted huge flames with bits flying everywhere I've never seen anything like it the whole thing was ablaze and it was too hot to touch there was an inferno in the room she eventually got Paltrow's vagina candle under control by chucking it out her front door Goop for its part told the New York Post that it has alerted the manufacturer to the woman's issue and have also reached out to her to send her some Goop products to help pass the days in quarantine. Gwyneth is trolling us and I think she's having a great time. Like this will, she'll love this story. She would have loved it. She won't care. Yeah, she'll think it's because the moon's in retrograde. Do you know what I mean? She'll put it down to some fertility goddess or some shit like this. I don't know if she buys any of the things that she's, I know she's into it a bit and the woman does look freaking amazing. I just Also, she's a businesswoman who's like, 100% I just can't believe that that Gwyneth's vagina is cheaper than a Joe Malone candle that's what (laughs) that's what shocks me Um, for my news cruise we are going to San Diego in California and this is someone called Melin Martin she's 24 years old Uh and she set up an application form on the internet for someone to be her first kiss She's 24 years old. She was a self-confessed lip virgin. She's a, that's a thing now. She's a lip virgin. Hmm. Virgin can just be put in front of anything. I'm worried by the time I have sex again, I'm going to have to put a tail down. Did I tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Because you think it's crusted over. It's been a year. Like, I've been re-virginized. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a Christmas miracle. But I was writing stand up about it the other day, and I was like, I can hear my hymen groan back in the middle of the night. And I was like, what would it sound like? A little cat crying. What do you think? What? You, what would you think a hymen groan back? What would it sound like? Would uh, it be, because would it's it be something clunky. Growing, yeah, it's something growing. It's something growing over, so it's not like alien trying to get out of your body. No, so it's not like alien. I think a cat crying is good. I don't know why. Yeah. It's, why would you think it's a cat crying? I think that's what it sounds like. I think it sounds like a, a truck reversing. <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm writing that down. Thank you. See, we're always working. Girl, that's for you. Can't wait always to see working. it in the stand-up show. <laughs> so this lip virgin yeah. uh, from San Diego, she had a whole application form that she put online and she wanted people to describe their current relationship with Malin, even though they'd never met her, what they'd like a relationship to look like with Malin, uh, why they wanted to be her first kiss and what kind of ex- kissing experience they were looking for. And the options here were a session with no limit, just one or two kisses to get her past the first kiss stage or a few minutes. So this online application, I've looked at it. It was in depth. She used all the fancy graphics on this um, this form. And there was a winner. And the winner was the guy called Ian, who that- turned out to be the younger brother of one of her college professors. She said she had thousands of applications. She also said that the reason she picked him was because he was he was just really funny. He commented on my confidence and sense of humour. This what? poor bastard, Ian, he doesn't know what he's gotten himself in for. Yeah, he went on to talk about how much fun kissing can be done if it's done well. He linked a Spotify playlist that he curated specifically for intimate moments like kissing. And the playlist was amazing. And he played her a version of Like Real People Do by Hosier to win her over. I've never had a love-making playlist, have you? No. No, because then you get caught up and you have to ride to the rhythm. And what if it skips to like smack my bitch up or something? Yeah, but that's why you curate a playlist. I always slag uh, my old housemate, Kira, 
because every time I heard uh, Come Around Sundown go on in her room by Kings of Leon, I'd be like, she's getting lucky. But the pressure <laughs> of like riding to music, it's so distracting. I've music. I, I know. I've music I cry to. I swear. <laughs> I swear. them. I that stuff. But like, no, but I, this pair, whatever, Ian and what's her face. Well, he travelled over two hours from L.A. to San Diego for this kiss and they both had to take a COVID test for them to kiss. So this might be the new norm. For you to get the ride, you're probably going to have to have someone to show you their PCR test. Whereas people just come into the country and just spread it everywhere they want. But if you want to have sex, show me your PCR test. Did you get it in the last 24 hours? So we're living in a brand new world. But she, she cut off the filming before they kissed. They were in a car. You always remember your first kiss and now she shared this with... It's been viewed over a million times, I think it is, on TikTok, of course. If someone had ever had to see... Like, my first kiss happened on my sixth class school tour. I was 12. Sexy. And all of the class were standing around watching, just shouting, kiss, 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 as we were sitting on the bottom bunk. Were you in the planetarium? No, I was in Capinale. Oh, I didn't... I was at an adventure centre. We were staying overnight. Ooh, 12-year-olds getting crazy. And it was, it was the snake kiss, you know, the, where it goes into your mouth, but then it just kind of lies there because it's a bit of a lazy snake who's a bit stoned and then it just comes back out again. Hold on, you were smoking weed in an adventure centre at 12? I wasn't smoking weed. I'm saying his kiss was like the stoned snake kiss. Oh, sorry. I was like, God, you're way more interesting than I thought. We were not that advanced, no. So it was... <laughs> Very Drew Barrymore, very Drew Barrymore. Go on, anyway, yeah, go on, the tongue. So that that was the first, that was the first, was your first kiss sort of a a snake kiss? Was it a washing machine kiss? Was it a, was it a hickey kiss? Your man, I actually did the story on Clear History as well, but he he kissed with his eyes open. So I was very suggestible at the time and I took his lead. And because we had quite a significant relationship, I think we were kissing for about a week. I then. (gasps) At what age? I think I was 11. He was, he was, he was. 22, 23. Yeah, 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 yeah. So That's uh, about right. <laughs> you're a bit old for him. <laughs> he was 12, I think, 13. But I, um, I, he kissed with his eyes open. So then I was conditioned to kiss with my eyes open, which led, which followed me all, this incredibly embarrassing tick, basically, which followed me all the way through my teens until a, a, a man in Carlingford Town shouted at me across the road, because I was scoring all the lads down there with my eyes open. He said, oh, blinker, shut your fucking eyes. And then I realised I wasn't just really popular with guys. They all just wanted to go on the blinker. <laughs> they wanted to go on the blinker. And it's not like there's a lot going on. Sometimes with those long kisses, it's just two mouths open yeah. pressed against each other. It's terrible. Lick, lick and skips out of each other's teeth. That's basically what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Meanie, skips, chickadees, whatever yeah. you've got. Banshee bones. Got going on. Mm. <gasps> yeah. Get the remains of an easy single on his back molar. <laughs> mm, delish. <laughs> Disgusting. So you're getting all your new, it's a part of your five a day. Part of your five and a day. And so you weren't just leaving your eyes open because obviously that would have been too, like that's hard to do to multitask, keeping the eyes open and shifting. Well, my eyes are quite intense and they do, they don't really close that often. Yeah, you're like an evil Disney princess. Yeah, they are open a lot. Like, they kind of only go down in emergencies. Someone actually said to me before, you should address your eyes in your stand-up because it's, like, it's unsettling. But as you were... But I kind of enjoy it, the picture of it, not young people shifting. It's more that 
you were judging him as he was doing it because your eyes are open. So that's pretty judgy. If I'm lying down with my eyes kissing some guy, I look like I'm being resuscitated. Like I look like I've passed on. Because I don't, they don't really blink that much. Anyways, that was my first kiss. But this woman sounds, I, I, you know, I, I, I think there's more to this story. I think she's trying to get a, she's, there's some marketing campaign behind this. I don't think it's going to be coming out for, you know, get your rapid PCR COVID test so you can get the ride or Colgate or Oral-B or anything like that. I genuinely think that virality is all that matters in the world today. And it was a way to become viral. But if your first kiss is at 24, haven't you built it up? Like as someone who is late in life to the whole sex thing, you've built it up too much in your mind. I think this woman's a Mormon and someone's told her her clit's in her mouth. This is a victim of false information. Like why the fuck would you care that much about it? And she got a COVID test. I wouldn't even, at this stage, I'd, I'd risk losing a lung for a ride at this stage, I'd say. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask a man for his COVID test. Have you thought about it? Have you thought about how you're going to re-enter the, how your hymen is going to re-enter the world? Not really. You're not going to be worried. You're just going to go for it. Well, I'm going to, I honestly think I'll have to put a tail down and I'm going to have to kind of get back into the cycle of it. Like, uh, you know, it's like anything. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Mm. So when you're riding, that's why it's all about momentum. And as my friend Claude always says, take the pussy off the pedestal, Joanne. The longer you go without sex, you can kind of build it into this big thing and you yeah. think that your your vagina is this, um, you know, special little, um, like, delicate little Fabergé egg that needs to be handled and respected delicately. It doesn't. Just fucking get it done. You know when you run for a while and then you stop running and you can't run and you've got to build it back up? Exactly. Is that what you think it's going to be like? That yeah. you're going to be knackered after a minute and go, okay, I can't remember how to do this, I'm off. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to be, I won't know where to put my hands and all. And I'll have my hands over my face. I won't remember anything. You won't. I'll be trying to put <laughs> Don't his look di- at me. I'll be trying to put his dick in my eye. I just really won't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone would like to apply to be Joanne's first in a time of COVID, I'll set up a viral and then we'll film it and we'll put it on, um, we'll start an OnlyFans. We haven't even started a Patreon yet. We'll start an OnlyFans. For everyone to see this. What do you think? You're like Chris Kardashian. This is amazing news, yeah. (laughs) I can do that for you. I'm all about the Netflix. Anything to get you to a Netflix special, my friend. That's all. My dream is to get a Netflix special without murdering anyone, being murdered, or having to release a sex tape. That's my goal. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. I think you're asking for a bit too much. I said why. You can catch us on at Let's Solve Nothing. That's where we are on Instagram. And Joanne has a very important message for you. Yes, I've heard apparently that if you ask people to like, review and subscribe, you get more people listening to your podcast. So only review if only if you like it. I was just about, <laughs> like, I was just about to say. Don't be an asshole. When I hear people doing that and they're like, please just leave a nice review. I'm like, well, that's not what reviews are. People are going to be honest and they're going to say that you're an asshole and I hate everything about you because it's the internet and it's a pit of hell and shame. But if you've gotten this far into the podcast, (laughs) like an air now at the end, you decide we're assholes. You're the asshole. (laughs) If you're hate listening to us, please find something better to do with your day. We're not going to change. Unfortunately, this is who we are. People do get onto us on Let's Have Nothing and we get back if we can. Sometimes we can't, but I need to say hi to Fanny Campau. She sent me a screen grab of herself and her fiancé chatting about the podcast. And she says, my fiancé and I just love your podcast. My girl is Irish oh, okay. and she introduced me to it and we just can't get enough. 
I don't know if you'll ever read this, but if you could do a shout out for my girlfriend in your next episode, she would lose her mind. Her name is Millie. She's from Kilkenny and she now lives in Montreal in Canada. So a huge hello to Millie and Fanny in Montreal in Canada. Hi, guys. Hi, Fanny. Hi, Millie. Did they say they're engaged? She says my fiance. Well, I like that's two women getting married, which means you'll probably both survive it. God willing, God willing, God more willing. power to ye. Yeah. You can find me on at Murren.O on Instagram. Joanne is at Joanne McNally Comedy. She could have said that herself. Anything else you'd like to plug, my darling? Oh, Jesus, sorry. Something coming out of my phone. <laughs> I don't think... I'm trying to think now. I love when you... Murren's trying to wrap it up. I'm just going to have a good old think about this now. Yeah, I'm like, I have to go to work. And just, like, I don't know what to do. I've got nothing do you to wanna, do. Should I let you all, If for people who are following us on Instagram, you know that we've actually recorded this podcast before. Mm. So this is the second time we've done this. Uh, no, listen, sorry, I'm rambling. Head off to work there, go on. <laughs> <laughs> go make we some are- money for us. We're going to do, uh, we will have a podcast out for you next Wednesday. We will get back to our normal time. So uh, you'll kind of have two in a week. Have a lovely time. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.